Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hey, um, I said something a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, and it kind of blew into a bigger deal than I intended it to. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, where you say something on Facebook, and then you realize real quick, oh, wow, this is turning into a thing. And I don't like things on Facebook, because they usually don't end well. Um, Well, what had happened, see, what had happened was, I saw someone uh, say something about the guy that kind of walks around town, he like wears that black dress, um, and it's not like that, hey, we're going to a cocktail party dress, it's like the, ooh, that's, that's something that you're wearing there. And any time that I've ever seen him, he's always been standing in, um, in the Cookville Cemetery with a feather, you know, he like holds it out, and it's like, when you pass him, it's like, wow, you got something going on. So um, I drove past him one time, and I, I stopped, and I was like, hey, do you want to go get some lunch? Because, you know, if he's eating lunch with me, he's not doing whatever he, it is that he was doing. And uh, so long story, we wound up uh, getting some food, and he was a really nice guy. He was a really polite, real uh, respectful uh, person. We uh, shared a meal, and so someone had mentioned that they saw, you know, the Grim Reaper over by the tractor supply, and I just mentioned hey, took him out to lunch. He might be demon-possessed, but he was at least nice. And so what it looked like, and people started texting me, and like, oh, the bleeding heart of Jesus for the community. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I was just saying that he wasn't, I mean, I don't think he has bodies in the basement. And it made me look like, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I'm friend to the lowly kind of thing. And that's not, that's not what I want to give off. And I'm about to tell a story about um, a guy that I met in New Orleans. But I want to let you know that any time that we stand up here as ministers of the Lord and share a story that we got right, just understand for every story that we have that something went right, we have lots more stories that we didn't do what we were supposed to For every story that I have that, you know, I responded with peace and compassion and mercy, I have a lot more stories of where I responded with anger and idiocy. So when I share this story, I just say all that to say, um, I am still learning this just like everybody else. So the reason that I can go take out, I think his name's Lloyd. He told me his name is Lloyd. Who knows if he was telling the truth. The reason why I can take Lloyd out to lunch and not be weirded out by him is because a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, I went to New Orleans on vacation. And a lot of times when people go to New Orleans on vacation, they get involved in things that, you know, we don't like to talk about. And I avoid all that like the plague. I stay off of Bourbon Street. My idea of a really exciting New Orleans vacation is I start off by eating a lot of food. And it's, it's amazing. And then after I get done eating a lot of food, I'll go sit on a bench by the Mississippi and I'll watch tugboat. Oh, there's another boat. Oh, okay. For a couple hours. And I go get more food. Then I'll journal for a little bit. And I go get more food. So I'm kind of a boring person when it comes to that. Um, so that's what I like doing when I'm in New Orleans. Well, there's a lot of people in New Orleans that that's not why they're there. They're there for completely different reasons, and you bump into those people. And it's like, wow, you are going to feel miserable in the morning. Um, and at night, New Orleans turns into a completely different city. It's not really that family-friendly. Um, in Jackson Plaza, right next to the cathedral, right in front of the cathedral, at night, all the, the voodoo people come out, the voodoo people, and uh, the tarot card readers will come out and uh, tell fortunes and stuff. And just understand, when people say that they're into that, 99% of the time, they're just faking. They're like the ShamWow guy. They're just lying to people in order to get money. 
Like, it's not, it's not like, ooh, they're mystical. They've got some secret knowledge. Most of the time, they're faking it. And when they're not faking it, there's some demonic stuff going on. But, you know, the Holy Spirit in us is stronger than any of the junk that they have on them. So we don't get stressed out. We don't get worried. We don't get in a battle with the voodoo people because the stuff that I've got on the inside is bigger than the stuff they've got. So I go out and just kind of watch them and watch them kind of do their stuff. Well, there's a lot of homeless people in New Orleans. And... They always have like pets with them and dogs. And we're finite people. Even in a church as small as, as our church where I, like I can see everybody in the room and you guys don't get masked out into the blackness of the audience, um, I still can't get to everybody. Like I love all of you. I remember your faces. I know m- most everybody's name, but I can't get to everybody. And when we're on the streets walking down, uh, down the street, I can't minister to every person. And so if I have a limited amount of resources and time and attention, I've got to pick people. And what I I say is that God highlights certain people. It's like he takes a highlighter and just rubs it over somebody and they stand out. So I'm walking down the street, New Orleans at night, and I pass by this guy. He's sitting on the the, uh, ground. He's got an open head wound that's actively bleeding. And he stands out to me. So I stop and I turn around. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go get some dinner at one of these restaurants. Do you want to come with me, my treat? And he's like, yeah, man. And I got kind of scared because there's a lot of, like, really expensive restaurants on that road. I'm like, please don't pick this one. Please don't pick this one. So he's like, no, man, all these places are too expensive. Like, there's a good one over the next few blocks. And we're already kind of at my comfort level of, like, the part of the French Quarter that I know. And then we start walking, and we pass Barrick Street for anybody that's familiar with the town, and it's like, I don't go past Barrick Street. That's where I stop because that's where the streetlights stop. And so I'm like, I am walking down a dark alley with some random stranger homeless person in the middle of New Orleans. And I start thinking, like, they make movies about this. I'm doing the exact same thing that they tell everybody not to. And my first thought, sorry, Mom, I was like, my mom's going to kill me. She would kill me if she knew what I was doing. I'm going to wind up on the front page of the paper, so I'm panicking. And so we get over to uh, Frenchman Street, and Frenchman Street has a lot of bars, but at least there's people in the bars that if I get mugged, I can go, help, you know, I don't have my mace that I can protect myself with. So we stopped by this convenience store that's like this hole in the wall. I mean, it's literally one aisle away. And he was like, man, that guy makes like some good sandwiches. Why don't you go get us some sandwiches? So I go in there and get some sandwiches and Gatorade and put it in a bag, bring it outside, and I sit down on the sidewalk, and it smells like you couldn't imagine what. And I have a meal with this guy's name's Ricky. So as he's eating his uh, po' boy, his dog is like eating the other side of it, and they're doing like this like Lady in the Tramp thing, <laughs> which in the cartoon, it's really cute, but in real life, it's not cute at all. I'm like, you're, you're letting that dog eat out of your mouth. That's awesome. Um, he's really drunk, bleeding. He's got some stuff going on. I can't really understand what he's saying because he's not really making cohesive sentences. And when he is making cohesive sentences, he's hard, he was hard to understand. And so I'm doing a lot of, uh-huh, okay. Like, hey, man, does anybody know that you're out here? Like, are your parents somewhere around? Like, how? T- tell me more. And he's, you know, just kind of stumbling over stuff. Well, I kind of... I'm done eating. So I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to pray for you. He was like, yeah, like I'm really connected with the universe. Like I don't see God as God. I think of him as like, he's like a star out there. I'm like, cool. Lord help Ricky. (laughs) 
I just start praying for the guy and he starts getting emotional. And there's a lot of people that'll say like, ah, evangelism 101, when you see a tear, set the hook. Bait him into, a, into making some commitment. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that sign of emotion is there because the Holy Spirit that work in someone. But like I've been in the church long enough to realize that your emotions sometimes doesn't translate into what's actually going on in your heart. And so I, when I start seeing someone get really emotional, I get real hesitant to pressure. And so he starts crying. I'm like, can you explain to me what's going on inside of you? And he's just kind of bumbling over his words. I'm like, all right, man. And I said something to him that don't ever say this to someone that's on the streets. I was like, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and you can't come with me. You're going to stay here. But Ricky, I want to let you know, I am going to go home and there are some nights that I'm going to be in the warm and you're going to be in the cold. And I hate that but I'll promise you that I will never forget you. I will at least remember that you're here. And he's, oh, yeah, he's back. Okay, I'm gonna leave. So I get back to the hotel room and I've got this on my heart. I'm like, ah, I don't, I mean, like, I can give the guy $3,000 and it's not gonna help him. I, can, I, I can't help you, man. So one of the things that we, that we experience when we see someone that's homeless or when we see someone that kind of scares us is a lot of the times we will have a desire to show compassion. That's the first, you got the Holy Spirit in you, that's the first thing that happens. Have a desire to show compassion to this person. Well, immediately followed after that is I am reminded of how much I, I lack in resources. I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money to help. And when I have that thought, a thought will come in to reinforce me not doing anything. When you pass somebody, you know, on 111 or something like that, and all of us do it all the time. Let's just not make eye contact. Let's just, we'll just ignore. And then when I get on 111, I can, I can forget about it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Like, I'm a single guy. This is me being in New Orleans. This is not, you know, some, you know, 20-year-old girl. Like, I don't recommend everybody doing what I'm doing. I'm doing it because it, I'm not special, but it's different. I wouldn't recommend all these girls go down like, yeah, go talk to some random stranger. I don't recommend that. But what I'm saying is, is the compassion in our hearts. So we either ignore or we will start reinforcing, well, if that lazy bum would just get a job, he wouldn't be out here. If he would make choices like I made choices, I've had to work for what I had. This bum's just panhandling. We start thinking about all the reasons why we're right and that person's wrong. We distance ourselves from that person. So when we think about labeling someone as, hey, that's that weird homeless guy over there, when we start labeling the first three uh, chapters of, uh, sorry, um, I got ahead of myself. When I came back home, back to Cookville, I wanted to reach out and to help you know, people in the homeless community, but I didn't know how because uh, I avoid. That's, that's what I do. I just, I, I walk up. So I called one of my friends that spent half his time being homeless and the other half the time ministering to homeless people. And he said something in Perk Up that changed my life. He said, if someone's been on the street for more than a few days, you know they know how to get food. It's not really the food that we would want to eat, but they know how to get food. If someone's been on the street for more than a few days, you know how they, they, they know how to get some kind of shelter. But no matter how long you spend on the streets, the thing that is impossible for homeless people to get is for someone to speak to them like they're a human being. And think about that, because even when we give money, it's kind of like the, all right, go get some change over there. Please don't buy alcohol. 
You know, that's, that's kind of what we think. It's like, let me, let me give you, let me fix that need and let me back off. But what they actually need is just a heart. More than food, more than shelter, more than clothing. They need a heart to come next to them and to show off, show off their heart. So I talked to that guy and he says that um, when we try to fix somebody, I don't know if you guys have been married to anybody, when you try to fix somebody, it always blows up in your face. So if you try to heal somebody or you try to raise the dead or you try to get someone saved or whatever, it always kind of blows up in your face. But if you try to love somebody, you always have the ability to succeed with love. You will fail sometimes, but if your intention is to love, there's no roadblocks to that. You can always show somebody love. So I might not have cash to give somebody, but I can always give them love. I can always treat them like they're a fellow human being. Um, when we start treating people like they're not fellow human beings, Paul says in the first three chapters of Romans, whoa, my ears are funny. Uh, in the first three chapters of Romans, Paul says some pretty, uh, pretty intense stuff. When we start labeling people, at the end of the road, when you really look into someone's heart, these are the kind of labels that we come up with each other. It says in verse 9 of chapter 3, well then, should we conclude that Jews are better than the others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and all have become useless. So these are verses that you like to put on the refrigerator and stuff. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Awesome poetry, isn't it? Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And this isn't, God, or this isn't Paul describing Ricky or Lloyd, the feather guy in the cemetery. This is all of us. If you start peering down into our hearts, it gets pretty dark pretty quick. And just because we can come in here on a Sunday and we can dress ourselves up like, how's everything going? It's great. It's good. I'm not going to tell you what I told my wife 30 minutes ago, but it's good in here. We have to realize that that person that's sitting on the sidewalk, that's me. I'm no better than that person. I can make myself feel like I'm better than that person, but dude, that's standing out with the feather and the dress in the, or in the cemetery, man, that's me. Like, had I not had people in my life to keep me from that, man, that's me. So I see myself identified in that person. But one of the amazing things about the gospel is that we also see ourselves identified with each other in another way. Well, how do we respond to each other without just like, all right, well, let's just wipe everybody out and start over from scratch. Paul says just in a few verses after that, starting in verse 23, says, for everyone has sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, yet God, everybody's sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. 
People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in the past, for he was looking ahead to include them in what we presently experience. See, God has removed all of the labels about us. One of the amazing things about the gospel is that it has destroyed all of those old labels, bum, lazy, homeless, worthless, adulterer, liar, idiot. He has destroyed all of those old labels. And so Jesus, from the foundation of the world, says, you know what? I'm not gonna judge you based on your dumb choices. I'm gonna judge you based on Jesus. So when I'm having a meal with Ricky on some street, I'm having a a meal with a brother that's just as bad off as I am. There's no wickedness in his heart that's not in my heart, but at the same time, I'm also sharing a meal with a brother with our perfection. I can look at him and see the righteousness of God in Christ, in Ricky. And so I have a brother in our brokenness and I also have a brother in our purity. Uh, Galatians 3.26 says, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For we have been all united with Christ in baptism and have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Now, all the, or now that all of you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham now belongs to you. God rescued us from a broken orphanage and put us into a family where we're all brothers and sisters. So when we look at the homeless, we want to label them as something, you're scary, you're distant, you're weird, you smell bad, you don't have good hygiene, but there's no more labels. That's my brother. That's me. That's my sister. They're going through the exact same thing that I'm going through. Then all of a sudden, it is easier to share a meal with someone that, man, you're just like me. I can't look down on you. I can't judge you. But at the same time, you can't look down on me and judge me. We're all in the same boat with this. Um, When we get to the end of everything, if the band could go ahead and come on up, we'll close out. In Matthew 25, Jesus is looking to everybody that has been redeemed. And he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And in verse 40 of Matthew 25, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So I see Ricky as a brother because he's just as messed up as I am. I see Ricky as a brother because he is just as redeemed and forgiven as I am. But something else I see in Ricky is that if Jesus was okay to define himself and identify with Ricky, I can too. Jesus says, that's me. And if Jesus can come off the throne of heaven and go, that's me right there, I can put myself in Ricky's shoes. And again, I wanna say, I'm not suggesting everybody go take out every random homeless person because there are people that will lead you down a dark alley and mug you. We have to be safe, but at the same time, 
when we have that desire to withdraw and mm -mm, I can't show you affection because you scare me, Jesus identifies with that person. Can we give someone a meal? Can we show someone an okay time? Can we just say, hey, I love you. I can't fix your problem. I can't raise your kid from the dead. I can't heal your broken leg. We can laugh and joke around. We can have a good moment. I can treat you like a human being. Amen. Go ahead and stand up as our altar team would go ahead and come up. We can give you an opportunity to get prayer today. Um, Just the same way as I said that we can come in here and we can dress up our, our chaos. We can say, yeah, everything's going great. I don't need any help. When, man, there is stuff that all of us are going through that we're barely hanging on. Like the person sitting next to you, their life might be falling apart and you just don't know it. So we're going to give you an opportunity, if that's you, if you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make the world happen tomorrow when I get up, we would love to pray for you. Or if you're sitting there and you're like, man, that's me. Like, I, I avoid the, the homeless, scary, smelly people. The Holy Spirit has the ability to give you a love for the people that he loves that is better than your ability just to fake it. Because that's the other temptation is just, well, just fake love. Can't fake love. It's got to be genuine. You pick up on it if it's not genuine. So I want to invite you tonight or this morning to come up, get prayer. Father, we, we just expose the areas of our heart that we're not proud of, God. I've got areas of pride and bitterness in my heart that I avoid the people that you have placed in my life. Uh, we desperately need you to come and redeem those areas, God. Fix me, set me free, God. Give me a love for people that I've never experienced before, God. And wherever Ricky and Lloyd are right now, Lord, that you would send people across their path to bring them back into the fold, God. Send them brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers to welcome them back into the kingdom, Lord. We bless you. Go ahead and come up for prayer as we, uh, as we sing.